hello good evening nishala everyone uh, this is uh, the next episode uh, of uh, the discussion we are having which is about an explication of uh, henry david thoreau's uh, masterpiece uh, called warden uh, in this podcast series we are discussing the uh, warden at length and uh, here in this particular episode we are going to continue with uh, chapter 1 we uh, we completed the part of chapter 1 and we'll continue from uh, the previous uh, episode uh this uh, you can access the pdf file for warden the one which is being used for this podcast Uh, by typing in warden comma pdf into google and the, the first option that you get in the search result is the one i'm using it's a wordpress uh, copy wordpress copy so we are on page 9 of this copy and we are at the second paragraph so we'll continue from there and uh, <clears throat> so thoreau says in this part of uh, the chapter on economy he says i sometimes wonder that we can be so frivolous i may almost say as to attend to the gross but somewhat foreign form of servitude called negro slavery there are so many keen and subtle masters that enslave both north and south so here thoreau is referring to his countrymen the whole continent or country of america was uh, caught up in the issue of slavery during thoreau's time the con- country was uh, divided uh, over the issue of slavery the northern states uh, supported the slavery and the southern states wanted slavery to be abolished so practically every american of thoreau's time was uh, discussing at length the issue of slavery some wanted it to stay and others wanted it to be abolished so here thoreau says that this uh, universal discussion that was taking place in the country at that time over the issue of uh, negro slavery this uh, universal discussion he says this practice was frivolous that is it's childish okay because you see uh, he points out that the vast majority of americans they were enslaved to other habits right it could be any of the vices or it could be even to work right so they were uh, caught up in their own world you know they were caught up in their own uh, pursuits to such an extent that they were enslaved by their wishes Uh, to achieve whatever they wanted in life so he says there are so many keen and subtle masters that in state both north and south from and there are so many uh, uh, addictions maybe there there could have been so many addictions and there could have been so many uh, you know rushing after wealth rushing after property and so on and so forth there were so many keen and subtle masters that enslaved both the north and the south so this issue 
of discussing Negro slavery without paying attention to your own individual self, that seems to be frivolous. Of course, you have to get rid of what you are, uh, you know, caught up in to such an extent before you discuss the freedom of others. Okay. So, he continues. It is hard to have a southern overseer. It is worse to have a northern one. But worst of all, when you're the slave driver of yourself. Right? So, uh, here again, Thoreau refers to the division of the U.S., into the southern states and the northern states. And in the southern states, uh, there were plantations. Each plantation had what is called an overseer. An overseer is a person who supervises the work of the slaves. Supervision doesn't mean mere direction or giving orders. An overseer, his supervision involved whipping, beating, uh, uh, all the parts of the body, including the skull with a stick, whipping him till the blood uh, ran off, uh, you know, in streams from the back of the slaves, whipping, cudgeling, beating. Uh, so that's the work of an overseer. So it thoroughly says, it is hard to have a southern overseer. It is worse to have a northern one. So the northern states which uh, supported slavery, they treated the slaves even more harshly, even more cruelly. But Thoreau points out, it is worst of all when you're the slave driver of yourself, when you yourself don't stop to take rest, or when you yourself don't take, make efforts to free yourself from whatever is compelling you. Uh, it may be an addiction, or it may be a compulsive work ethic or whatever. So uh, when, we, when you are the slave driver yourself, says Thoreau, that is the worst condition. It's worse than having an overseer to look after you. So he's pointing out that, you know, the majority of his contemporaries, the Americans, they should look to themselves and see what it, it is they are driven by. Okay. Uh, so what is the effect of, you know, overdoing something, overworking or being addicted to some substance? What, what is the effect of that? He continues. Talk of a divinity in man. Okay. So, naturally, in the church and in the religious institution, they have heard of things like, you know, uh, there's a soul in man. The soul in man is eternal. The soul in man is immortal. Okay. And uh, it reaches salvation. There's a talk of divinity in man. But in reality, is there, was there any reality, was there any divinity? divinity among his contemporaries, not that Thoreau could see. Among any of them, there was uh, just mere talk in the church, maybe, about the soul, about uh, Christ, about the Savior, about salvation. There's only talk, empty words, but hardly any proof of that in real life. Talk of a divinity in man. Look at the teamster on the highway, wending to market by day or night. Does any divinity stir within. Now, here's one common example that he, that he saw every day. That is, you had a teamster. Teamster is a pair of horses or a pair of oxen which are yoked to a carriage or a cart. So, you had a, a person who's driving the team of horses or the team of oxen. Now, if Thoreau uh, were to look at, uh, when Thoreau looked at these 
drivers of the carriages of horses. Uh, the, these uh, carts and the carriages, they're vending to market by day or night. They're going to the market to sell the produce to make a profit. They do it day and night. And he asked, does any divinity stir within? Right? Is there any uh, is there any sign that there's divinity within uh, the you know, the person who drives a team of horses all of them? There's no sign, there's no such sign of any uh, divinity. Okay. Uh, so all this talk about the immortality of man and you know. Uh, that becomes mere words, right? So, according Thoreau has seen these, uh, uh, you know, uh, drivers of the team of horses. You know, what is the, what does the driver of these horses and oxen? What does he do? His highest duty to fodder and water his horses. So, the highest duty of the driver of that cart or carriage is to fodder, is to give grass, is to give some straw to his uh, horses, okay? Uh, his highest duty is that, so that they kept well-fed and they will, uh, you know, draw the cart to the market and draw it back daily so that he can, uh, you know, uh, sell his produce in the market. So there's absolutely no sign whatsoever of any divinity in any of his townspeople or indeed in any of his countrymen, right? Uh, uh, what is his destiny compared with the shipping interest? So uh, each uh, person, you know, they've heard that man has a destiny, that his destiny is that he is divine and that he can realize godhood, sainthood or godhood or he can become immortal. That is his destiny. Uh, but do does anybody does do any of his contemporaries actually uh, even remember remotely about their destiny about what they're born for, right? Uh, when they compare it with the shipping interest, you know, the the profits that can be made when a ship comes into port carrying goods and uh, you know carrying goods and uh, things like that uh, when 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 they think about the shipping interest, the profit they can make when a ship comes in, their destiny is forgotten. They absolutely forget and are totally caught up in the pursuit of wealth and uh, all that. So, does he not drive for stir, square, make a stir? Square is a landowner. He may be part of the, you know, the gentlemanly class, the aristocratic class, the squires. And uh, Thoreau names these squires as squires make a stir. They're always stirring people to go about their business. They're always stirring people to work for them, right? So that is the way it is with many of his townsmen. They work for squire, make a stir. And he continues, how godlike, how immortal is he? Is he, uh, how godlike is that teacher? How immortal is he? Not at all. There's not even a sign that there's any divinity stirring within the teamster. See how he covers and sneaks, how vaguely all the day he fears not being immortal nor divine, but 
the slave and prisoner of his own opinion of himself. A fame won by his own deeds. Okay. So, uh, throughout the day, these uh, townspeople, these contemporary townspeople of his, how do they, what do they behave? They cover, they bend, and they sneak about. Okay. And all day, they are vaguely fear something. They don't know what it is they should be afraid of. But certainly, they have an element of fear in their minds when they go about their work. Okay? Uh, and he says, all these contemporary townspeople, they're not, not immortal, nor divine. But uh, why do they behave like that? Why do they sneak about? Why are they fear afraid? Because they're the slave and prisoner of their own opinion of themselves. So, uh, maybe they think the lowly of themselves, maybe they don't think highly of themselves. And therefore, their own opinion of their own worth, their own opinion of what they can achieve, their own opinion of what they can do is very low. So naturally, they have a feeling of maybe inferiority or things like that. And uh, they sneak about and they're afraid of not only people, other people, but also of their own situation. So uh, this is how it is, okay? They are the slaves and prisoners of their own opinion of themselves. And this opinion, this, uh, you know, uh, this attitude of mind is a pain won by their own deeds. Whatever they have done, they have that uh, attitude in the mind because of their own actions. Okay, what they uh, feel. So, Thoreau now comes to the moral of this paragraph. He says, public opinion is a weak tyrant compared with our own private opinion. What a man thinks of himself, that it is which determines or rather indicates his fate. So, public opinion is a weak tyrant. The opinion of the public, the opinion of others is a weak tyrant. You see, the opinion of others masters us like tyrannical. We are mastered by the opinion of others. But what is uh, worse than public opinion, it is our own private opinion. What we ourselves think of ourselves, what we can do, what we can achieve, what we, what our abilities are, our own uh, private opinion, okay, that masters us more than the public opinion. So Thoreau says as much, he says, what a man thinks of himself, that it is which determines or rather indicates his fate, right? So the, per, the fate of a person in life, what he achieves or what he does not achieve, how he hits the mark he aims at or how he does it, that depends much, very much on what he thinks of himself, how he evaluates himself and uh, how he determines what he should do. That is what determines his fate, not the opinion of others. Others may encourage us or others may disparage us. But certainly, according to Thoreau, it is our own opinion of ourselves that drives home the point. It is not, we're not supposed to live according to someone's opinion. We're supposed to live according to what we think is right. Uh, so, uh, self-emancipation, even in the West Indian provinces of the fancy and imagination. 
what Wilberforce is there to bring that about. So uh, self-emancipation. Uh, emancipation, of course, means freedom. Freedom to free, the ability to free ourselves, free our minds, even in the provinces of the fancy and the imagination. So uh, if we were to imagine that we could do something, if we were to give in to our daydreams, and try to you know put the foundation and our dreams to achieve something. Huh? Who is there to bring that about? Okay, all the time we're told by others that we can do this or that, or we cannot do this or that, etc., etc. Who is going to bring us to a state of mind? Who is going to give us an attitude with which we can, mm, you know? Realize our potential. Who, what Wilberforce? Wilberforce? Wilberforce is a name. It's an English name. And of course, it implies that the person was very strong and very masterful. Right? Wilberforce. So who is a strong and masterful person who will free us in the West Indian provinces of the fancy and the men? Hardly anyone went to the West Indies in Thoreau's time. So in, uh, Toro doesn't actually refer to the real West Indies on Earth. He refers to the provinces of the fancy and the imagination in the mind, the provinces of the mind. Who is going to free our imagination to help us to achieve what we want? That is what Toro is asking here, right? So here, Toro is bringing down the whole question down to an individual level. He is not worried about what goes on, you know, across the country, what's happening maybe 300 or 400 miles away. He's worried, he's concerned more about what he is doing, right? So, of course, what you do determines what happens to you. It's not something uh, that, uh, you know, uh, something happens uh, somewhere else and you're influenced by it. Maybe that's not the case, right? So. Uh, no, he asked that question, what will the force is there to do that about? And he continues, think also of the ladies of the land weaving toilet cushions against the last day, not to betray too green an interest in their face, as if you could kill time without injuring eternity. Now it comes down to the question of the ladies of the land. Ladies of the land, of course, they are modest and they are, you know, uh, they are uh, like uh, they are the weaker sex physically, right? So what do they do in the face of life, in the face of the problems of life? How do they spend their time? Okay, the ladies of the land are weaving toilet cushions. It is small cushions, you know, in which you stick uh, pins and in which you, you know, put on the uh, chairs, right? They're weaving toilet cushions against the last day. The last day, of course, is the day of judgment. This is how they're going to realize uh, their uh, destiny, the ladies of the land, okay? The men folk are, you know, working busily uh, without any uh, reflection uh, in the marketplace, whereas the ladies are weaving toilet cushions against the last day in order to save their souls. When, you know, on the uh, day of judgment, God will you know, judge whether a person has been good or bad and the souls who have done good will go to heaven and the souls which have done evil will go to heaven. So
So against uh, this last judgment, the day of judgment, which is mentioned in the Christian uh, biblical tradition, the ladies of the land, in, in order to save their souls, they're weaving toilet cushions. Okay? And they also do not want to betray too green an interest in their faith. They don't want to know what will happen next. Right? They're afraid. Okay? They're, uh, just as the men are uh, afraid and they sneak and cover the ladies also, uh, they don't want to show an interest in what their future is. They don't want to betray too green an interest. Green and too green means that you're innocent. You don't really know the reality, you know, like a child, right? So they don't want to betray too childish an interest in their faith because they've seen people around them. They've seen the, what happens in life. So they don't want to show too strong an interest in what happens to them. So what do they do? They weave toilet cushions against the last day. Okay? Okay. Uh, so uh, uh, as if you could kill time without injuring eternity. Uh, so you see, the last day will come at the end of eternity. And uh, this, uh, what the people, what these contemporaries were doing, they were busily, uh, you know, sneaking about being uh, afraid of things they could not even see. They were, you know, and uh, the ladies were involved in uh, mundane way, one mundane work, like weaving toilet cushions. So, Toru Songso, as if you could kill time, they're doing it to kill time, they're doing it to pass the time. Okay? And as if you could kill time without injuring eternity. Can you spend, can you waste some few moments here and say you will continue for all of eternity without, uh, uh, without uh, you know, injuring, injuring your immortality? That's what Thoreau asked. So I think uh, that, uh, uh, hello Nishala, I think uh, we've reached the end of the time uh, allotted by the Zoom app. So yes, can sir. you make a few concluding or as you said, uh, make a few things? Okay. Yes, sir. A few concluding uh, remarks, please, Michelle. Yes, sir. Yeah. Uh, thank you so much for joining this episode of uh, Boring Times with the Board Guy. And uh, let's discuss about the future uh, mm. later. Uh, thank you so much, sir, once again for joining the episode. Uh, so, viewers, good night. Uh, stay safe. And be happy. That's it. Happy Dasara also. It's coming soon. I think for you to be even happier because uh, you're going to go on to your undergraduate course. Right, Nishala? Tell Sir, us a bit about that. Still to be decided which course I'll opt into. But uh, yeah, I'm very happy. Uh, okay, anyway. Thanks for the good wishes. Yeah, but uh, it's all positive, right? It's all good. We're glad to yes, hear. Yes, sir. Thank you so much. It's all good, right? Positive things. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Okay. Congratulations, Inshallah. You tried really hard. I know how uh, you uh, worked uh, throughout first and second to you. Even though I took on English, I knew and uh, we've been often in touch. And I know how much effort and this is a sort of, uh, you know, um, uh, your fruition of your efforts. Okay, congratulations, Nishala. Whatever happens, I know it will be positive. Thank you. Good night. Thank you so much, sir. Thank you for the wishes. Thank you.